Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Gadelics? How's it going? I'm tired. Can you hear the tired? I'm tired. I've been out. I've been out doing it. I've been out doing the road on my own, living the life. A lot of reflecting. But it was a, a great week away. It was almost a week. What day is today? Monday? So I left I left last Tuesday. It was uh it was the real deal, man. Driving to one nighters, just like the old days. But great shows. Before I tell you about that, let's uh, let's set this up. Let's set it up. Keith Richards is on the show today. Now, I talked to him last week on Zoom for like 15, 20 minutes. I loved it. It was great. But I really thought going into that talk that I would be less of a fanboy than I was in 2015, which I just was, I, could, I was beside myself. Really, honestly, beside myself, like almost out of body experience. It turns out none of that has changed. Right when I got him on Zoom and I saw him, I just lit up and it was uh, just, I think, I think I, I, the way that I kept my shit together a little bit was like, I think I busted his balls just a little bit, just a little, just get a couple laughs, a couple laughs at old Kiefer's. But uh, we decided that why not just run the one from 2015 too? So what we're going to do is we're going to do the new one and then we're going to run the old one because many of you haven't heard that. And if, even if you have heard it. You probably want to listen to it again. That's what I'm just saying. Sorry if my speech is weird. I'm tired and I think I might have a tumor in my head. So that's happening. Keith is happening. Big Keith day today. But what a week, man. I did all the road things. I did the shows. I did the shame. I did it. I did the road things. Drove for miles, hours. I flew into New York, rented a car on Tuesday night, drove to New Haven, checked into the hotel at like 11 at night, got up in the morning, coffeeed up. Went down the street to the Yale Gallery of Art, spent some time with some Rothkos and some other paintings. Then I met up with a friend of mine, uh, Dean Falcone, who uh, you know was a pizza guy and a music guy. So we went and ate at Pepe's Pizza with him. He had a crew of people there. Some guy owned a bagel place, a cousin who wrote a book about pizza. We'd gone to Sally's the last time, Pepe's. We sat there, we ate like 90 pizzas, a clam pizza, a white pizza, a sausage pizza, a margarita pizza. Another kind of pizza, then the other thing, all pizza. Just, it was, I, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be able to eat pizza again. So that night, with a belly full of pizza and Italian pastry, I did a show in New Haven at College Street, and it was great. 
Great show. It was the first one that I, since New York, where I, I'm just, I'm not doing openers. And I did it in New Haven. It was great. I must have done, I think I'd done like an, I did like an hour and 35. Everyone was happy. Great show. Great venue. Good people to work with. Nice audience. Saw Brian Jones, the potter up there. Then I crash out in New Haven, get up the next day, and I got to drive to Troy, New York. Now, Troy, New York, I've been to, I've been to all these places, actually, except for Laconia, New Hampshire. But I played the music hall in Troy once before. Every time I go to Troy, it's such a, like, a beautiful old city. Same with Albany. There's part of me that's like, I want to I move here. These are cool old buildings. But then what, what happens then? I just become like the guy who lives in Troy. Didn't, isn't that Mark Marin? Why does he live here now? I don't know. I, this was, he did a gig here, and then he never left. It's kind of weird. We were happy to have him at first, but now he just kind of moves around from coffee shop to coffee shop talking to himself we checked he's not talking he doesn't have ear pods in but uh but i actually did see an old comic there ross bennett uh who actually does live up in troy uh with another comic who i think i don't know if they're married or not but he came to the show nonetheless the music hall is a magic place it was built in the mid-1800s there's a rack for a top hat under each chair there's a shawl uh little uh, uh shelf not shelf uh, what would you call it the towel rack, like a shawl rack on the back of each chair it's wild it's definitely timeless yeah, someone should do a steampunk show there of some kind. But I've been there before and it was magic then. There's perfect acoustics in the place. And I think I did like an hour and 40 maybe, hour 45. I don't know, but it was a great show. A lot of new things happened. Every show was different. Every show was just me. And then uh, I ate at a place. I ate at Nighthawks because the guy who owns the place had told me to come. It was good. And then the next day... I got up early and I drove from Troy to uh, Laconia, New Hampshire, but I stopped at Mass Mocha first, which is that massive museum of contemporary art out there in North Adams. Amazing. The Mass Mocha is this huge space. It's many different industrial buildings that have been made into this museum. So a lot of the art there are installations, things that only happen there and only happen for a period of time. And there's many of them. I can't name all of them, but they're all kind of mind blowing. What a spectacular way to spend like two or three hours. Just blew my mind. I did realize, though, that art doesn't give a fuck about you. You've got to go out and get it. You've got to go get the art. You've got to go get it. And I didn't even know why I didn't realize this when I dated a painter for years. It's an insulated world, and they're playing to the back of the room a lot of times. They're only concerned about themselves and about you know how it's going to be uh, received by critics and by people in the art world. So you got to you got to realize that you have to that there's a certain language to it all. But uh, you just got to let it you know, go in there and and let it, as I say, punch you in the brain. And if it's good, it'll stay punched. And mine got punched the fuck out. At Mass Mocha. So then I continue on. I leave Mass Mocha and I'm going to Laconia. Dunkin' Donuts all the way. Every day. Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Jacked out of my mind. And I started to spiral on the way to Laconia because at the beginning of my career, I did one-nighters. That's how I learned how to do comedy. I drive all over the New England area, whether it was uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, upstate New York, Mass, Western Mass, Rhode Island, there was just, it never, uh, Connecticut, there were just gigs, one-nighters that you would go do. And they were always, because of the time in my life and what I was trying to do, they were always pretty horrendous in a way, always kind of terrible. I was just this neurotic, angry Jewish guy running around to these pubs and bowling alleys and, and motel and hotel ballrooms and, and just regular bars and dance clubs that had comedy nights 
learning how to do comedy. So it was weird as I was driving around the interstates and rural highways in New England to these gigs at theaters, they became sort of the neural pathways leading back to the trauma that uh, I experienced starting out in this business. And as I got closer to Laconia and the more barns I drove past, I started to sort of flash back and and spiral into that place where I'm like, this is going to suck. How the fuck is this going to be good? How many barns am I going to drive by? I mean, I was enjoying the barns in moments, but I was also like, where the fuck am I going? I even texted my agent like, you know, what the fuck kind of gig is this? Where's the cone? Everything that I did when in the late 80s, when I started doing gigs, I was doing, I had come full circle, but this was not connected to anything. It wasn't real. Fear and anxiety from the old Mark, from the old days. And I had to reel it in, man. It was wild because uh, it was full circle. I was driving to one-nighters. I was staying at hotels, which usually I didn't do back in the day. But I got to Laconia and it's this beautiful little redone theater, the Colonial. Uh, they, just, they just opened They've had a few comedy shows there. I think Jimmy Norton was there, and I think Whitney's going there, and it was great. Again, there's three restaurants in the town, and you know, a couple of coffee shops. There's a record store with a bar, but uh, but the, the audience was great. Everyone's excited. A lot of people haven't been out since COVID. I think I did like an hour forty something like that there, hour forty five, and I enjoyed it. But I was nervous. I knew there was going to be a snowstorm in Vermont, and I started to panic. I wouldn't get out of Vermont on Sunday. I knew that it was going to, supposed to snow all day Saturday. So I got up at 6 in the morning after Laconia, and I drove to get ahead of the storm, and I did. It was raining, but I by the time I got to the interstate, it just started snowing, and then it started coming down harder, and then it was like really kind of blizzarding, and then the road got slick, and I haven't seen snow in years. I used to live in snow all the time, years and years of snow, and it was, it was annoying, but I always liked it, but I hadn't seen it in years. It was very exciting to drive in the snow. I had rented an SUV so I could pull it off. By the time I got to uh, Burlington, it was like there was like a lot of fucking snow on the ground. They let me check into the hotel early. I saw some friends and uh, I ate with a pal at uh, Hen of the Woods. Amazing restaurant. Sludging through the snow in boots that weren't correct for the snow. Trying not to slip and break a hip. But the Flynn Center, I guess I got about 600 people in there or so. And I did like almost two hours. Hour and 50 minutes. Riffing. Doing the... Uh, the, the straight comedy stuff, doing performance stuff. I don't know. Every night that I did the solo thing without an opener, it felt like I was doing a play. It was amazing. I loved it. All the audiences were great. On the last night there in Burlington, some kid says, you remind me of my father, but I don't like him. <laughs> I like you, though. That's what he said. All the people were great. I did pay a little tribute. I think it might have been in Laconia because it was on my mind, the uh, spiraling out from the old days that uh, I did a little memorial, a little eulogy for Teddy Bergeron, who was a Boston comic that was around when I was working there. When I started out a real character, he was really kind of a mythic guy. He was one of the first out of Boston to do Letterman and Carson, and he had a big future ahead of him, but he also had uh, terrible alcoholism within him, and he was constantly at battle with that and with himself and with success, but he always had swagger. No matter how pathetic it got, Teddy always had swagger, and he had great jokes, great jokes, jokes that if I listen to now, 
are still hilarious. Dark jokes about himself, about his father, beautifully crafted jokes. He didn't have, I don't know how much he wrote really, and I don't know how much he worked because I wasn't around, but we did a live WTF at the Wilbur, and I had to find somebody that would find him. Somebody had to tell me that he, I had to call another Teddy, who was his cousin Teddy, to get the other Teddy, and I didn't know if Teddy Bergeron was going to show up at the Wilbur. This was like in 2013, a live one. We used to do live ones. There's a bunch of other Boston comics on the panel. And, you know, Teddy shows up with his ever red hair and he's wearing sweats and he's antsy. And he's like, I said, well, you you good? He goes, yeah, I'm great. You know, I'll just riff with you, Mark. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, that sounds good. I get out there and it's Teddy's turn and, and he fucking killed. And I was sitting right next to him watching it happen. And it was glorious. It was great. It was a great experience to watch Teddy kill with that old act, that good act, those dark ass jokes for a crowd that didn't know who he was. And it was just, um, it was really a beautiful thing. Really was a beautiful thing. Right now, it's my pleasure to bring on a guy that is legendary. He's one of the funniest fucking guys that ever lived. I haven't seen him in about 20 years. I didn't know if he was still alive or he, he would make it even. When I used to see this guy wandering around town when we were both drunks, I would show up in a room and he'd go, oh look, the marinated man. The marinated man is here. Teddy Bergeron, ladies and gentlemen. Marinated man, and and you're doing well. I'm doing all right, Teddy. It's terrific. Boston. Yeah. I love Boston. Yeah? Well, you love Boston. Sure. Everybody loves Boston. Absolutely, Teddy. I'll be like on the road. Yeah. I'll be working in Texas or Florida. Yeah. I mentioned I'm from Boston. There's always someone, oh, really? I'm from Boston, too. And I'm like, oh, really? What part? Maine. I fucking so glad to see you, man. Well, it's good. It's good to see you, Mark, and I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing well. Really, I really am. Yeah. I, I'm so, so so surprised. Not surprised. Okay. <laughs> anyway, look. Yeah. Hey, look at the energy you bring here. Yeah. Yeah. Because energy is important, Mark. Yeah, it is. You know that in comedy and life. I, yes. Life is, a, we live in a duality. It's positive, negative energy. Yeah, right. Back and forth, we fight with it. Yeah. Happens to me. I see a woman. Yeah. Positive energy. She wants me. Yeah. Then the negative energy comes in. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful woman like her want with somebody like you. Yeah. Then the positive returns. Maybe she's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> because negative energy is no good for comedy. Yeah. We're in that theater district. Peter yeah. Pan, they play, they, I saw the sign. Yeah. I went to see Peter Pan on Broadway. Yeah. There's always some guy in the crowd that don't want anybody to have fun, right? Right. Okay? Yeah. And all the kids were excited. And Sandy Duggan played, you know, Peter. She took a bow and she flew above the crowd. And all the kids are like, oh, look at her fly. Look at her fly. There's always that jerk in the back and a deep voice. She's on a wire. (laughs) She's not flying. She's on a wire. There's no Santa Claus and she's on a wire. (laughs) She's flying. She's on a wire. It's going to break. She'll land on you. You'll die. (laughs) 
what would you like to be? How would you like to be an Olympic performer? Yeah. They perform in front of those those guys that never the sportscasters. Yeah. Are they a little yeah. negative, a little critical? Yeah. Because you watch like a diver. Yeah. And he's off the board. Yeah. And he backflips into a double somersault. Yeah. And he spins out of that to the left and the right, upside down, yeah. triple cartwheel into the water. You're like, wow. And you hear, no, that's a shame. <laughs> Oh, God, it's good to see you. I, I'm up for this moment. I heard you would do it. I, I got up for it. Yeah, I'm so fucking I, great. I, it's hard to, I had to track you down. You're not easy. You know, they have websites and phones now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I got a, a pass for the night. Yeah, and I asked oh, okay. To go back to, <laughs> you know. I, I yeah. talked to the doctors yeah, and let yeah, me out for a couple yeah, of hours. You know what? I, I, fucking, uh, I fucking believe that. I remember you used to talk about your father a lot. Well, he had, he had no, he was a negative guy too. No faith in me. No kidding. Oh my God! No matter Christmas morning, what a happy time for a kid. I'd have my new toy. I'd run across the room, show it to Daddy, yeah. and he'd smile and say, "Let's see you bust it now." <laughs> and I get all freaked out and dropped it. You know, no matter what. You know, I'd be at the dinner table and ask for a glass of milk. Yeah, spill all over the table. <laughs> You know, he used to announce my Little League games. No. Oh, yeah, he did the play-by-play over the air. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a fly ball at deep center field. Going back for us to my son, watch him drop it. <laughs> he dropped it. Now watch the little son of a bitch. He's going to kick it around for half an hour and then throw it right into the fucking stands. <laughs> You're leading me into some good stuff. <laughs> you ever, uh, you ever look at your horoscope? My, oh, my heart. Well, I'm a cancer. I'm a cancer. That's, uh, oh, cause you look at the other ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, Aquarius, take a vacation. You deserve it. This is your year. You know, you know, Sagittarius, you've worked hard. You know, you should relax. Like, good things are happening for you. Cancer, buy a shotgun. <laughs> Place your mouth over the barrel and pull the trigger. You owe it to yourself and your friend. <laughs> Denny Bergeron, ladies and gentlemen. That was beautiful. You feel good? I had fun. I love it. All right. My hometown. Love those jokes. I still laugh at those jokes. Rest in peace, Teddy Bergeron. You were the real deal, man. Okay. Keith Richards. So here's what we're doing. This first chat. I had with him last week on Zoom. It's about 15 to 20 minutes. And I I got the opportunity to talk to him again because we did good the last time. He's re-releasing the Main Offender album, which is his second solo album. It's the 30th anniversary reissue. It comes out this Friday, March 18th. You can get it on all the streaming music platforms. You can get it as a deluxe CD or vinyl release or as a super deluxe box set which includes unreleased live recordings, an 88-page book, guitar picks, stickers, and more. And you can order that one at keithrichards.com. That's the one I got. It's fucking beautiful. And here's the deal. After this talk, the one I just did last week, we're going to go ahead and play the full 2015 interview I had with Keith in New York City. Now, that was a... I, I couldn't, I was beside myself. I was literally almost out of my body with excitement uh, and just joy to sit with one of my heroes. And I thought, you know, in the last six years, 
seven years that maybe I'd gotten my shit together. I'd grounded myself a little bit. I could be a little more professional. But you'll hear going into this interview that I did last week, that was not the case. Uh, equally as excited. Only this time, I think I busted his balls a little bit. I did try and get get some laughs. Nothing more fun than making Keith Richards laugh. There's a few things more fun, but it's pretty great. It's pretty great. So this is me talking to Keith Richards last week on Zoom. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Podcasts. Hey, hey how you doing? good. How are you, man? Fine. How you been, man? It's good. I, I haven't talked to you in a while. You remember I, I talked to you a few years ago. I do. I do remember. How you been? Yeah, we. I'm we good. Sh- we shared a cigarette. Um, exactly. It was at we were at the uh, NPR studios and they were all freaking out because we were smoking. <laughs> I gave it up. <laughs> did you? Did you? Really? For real? Mm, it's a couple of years. Man. Oh, my God. Do you, do you feel uh, you got to feel better, right? Uh, I actually I didn't notice anything, man, until until I started rehearsing for the Stones tour. And then I when I started working, I realized I had a lot more air in the lungs and uh, <laughs> in the voice and, uh, and more stamina. Yeah. Yeah. But, man. Uh, you know, it, it ain't all it's cracked up to be, you know, <laughs> what? Not smoking? Yeah. <laughs> Better than the alternative, man, you know. Sure, sure. You want to try and stay on this side of the grass for as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sorry about your friend, man. I'm sorry about Charlie. It's terrible. Oh, man, that was, uh, you know, that was a blow out of nowhere. But, um, yeah, what a guy. Yeah. Um, How do you deal with that? Do you, do you got a way, you know, you've lost a lot of friends lately. You just kind of just deal with it? I don't know. Yeah, it deals with you in a way. Uh, they, you know, when that happens, the guys, you know, keep cropping up when you least expect them to start. <laughs> yeah. I've had a couple of chats with Charlie, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So you get a lot of people who bring you memories. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. I, you know, I saw you guys in uh, Florida, I think the last American show. Oh, Miami. Yeah, in, in Fort Miami, Lauderdale. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was there. I visited my mother and Fran. Yeah, you know, I, I talked to Fran. I'm like, I want to go see the guys, and I went with my brother. It was fucking great. Now, I got to ask you a question though. Uh, so you know, you go into Midnight Rambler, and then all of a sudden, unless I'm hallucinating, you went into Hellhounds on my trail. Is that right? We have do do through a bit of Robert Johnson in yeah. yeah. In, 
cool. Yeah, Mick and I have been fiddling around with that and uh, just to sort of tail it off, you know. I couldn't believe it. I went. Out, I was out of my mind. I couldn't. I was the best thing because I mean, I wait for Midnight Rambler every time I see you guys, and all of a sudden you're doing Hellhounds on my trail, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? It was great. That middle bit is always left sort of open, you know, and it's been going that way lately, you know. And you guys just come up with that yourself when you were rehearsing? Yeah, yeah. It was just, uh, I think one time it, it, it just, Nick said something about Hellhound on my trail and I played the lick and then we threw it in. He said, well, man, that fits really nice. You know? <laughs> that, that was so good. And you play that, well, you put the capo on the seventh fret and just a regular tuning? Regular tuning. Yeah. Regular tuning, seventh fret. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I figured out how to play it finally. I got a couple. I got another question for you. Hold on. <laughs> There's a little trick to it. <laughs> oh yeah, where? You see this? Where can I can I have that hat? Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want that one? I got it around the corner. <laughs> I I was like, where the hell is he getting these beanies? You know? I don't know, man. The my daughters and wife get them off the. I know online somewhere. Oh, uh, man. That's all I know. Somewhere up there. Here's another thing I got. Hold on. You see this thing? That's that French photo show by that, oh, yeah. that Dominique Tart. Dominique Tart yeah. Yeah. Dom yeah, he was a friend of mine in uh, when we were cutting uh, Exile. Right. Well, I, I don't know where I saw it or somebody sent it to me, but I got the book, you know, from <laughs> the gallery. And it's like a family album, for God's sakes. It's a, it should be called Parenting with Keith Richards. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many, so many pictures of you and Marlon on the boat hanging around, and then yeah. you in the basement playing guitar. Yeah, that basement, man. Wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, you remember it? All very well, man. Yeah, too clearly. Yeah, it was a rough. It was rough down there in the summer, man. You know, but. Uh, but it was worth it, you know. Oh yeah, I I definitely think so. So look, man, this uh this reissue of this record of Main Offender, I've listened to it. They sent me the box, and it's beautiful, man. Beautiful box. And I'm not like I'm not a big collector guy, but all the pictures are great, and all, all the the like you got the photos and the and the handwritten lyrics and the, and the drawings and everything is just beautiful, and it sounds great. Now. Who decides to do this? Does someone come up to you and say, it's time to do this? Or do you say, let's fucking do this? Uh, uh, actually, uh, Jane Rose, my manager, <laughs> comes up and says, uh, they, they want to reissue, you know. And, uh, and we got involved with uh, re really great sort of box set designers and stuff. You know? Wow, man, it's like an art book. Yeah. What, what I like particularly about this main offender one is uh, that uh, it's also a, a live show thrown in from London, which, you know, which was uh, a great I show. No, that was uh, we'd recorded uh, that tour. But, uh, <laughs> so it was a good surprise for me, too. You know, uh, <laughs> you didn't know they had the machine on. <laughs> no, man. You know, some, you know I, 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 I probably just forgot. You know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, it seems like there's a lot of that around where, where there's just uh, all these tapes of bands. And I'm like, who the hell knew that they that they recorded this? But I, I guess someone flips it on. Yeah, no, yeah, we, we recorded it ourselves. It was myself that had forgotten that we'd done that. Because yeah. after, right after that, I was the Stones went back into full pelt. And, uh, oh, for uh, what was that, Voodoo Lounge? Uh, yeah, yeah. Who's in the lineup on the live show? Is it the same lineup as on Main Offender? On the live one, uh, the bass would change to uh, Jerome Smith. Yeah. Because of, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, that's what happened. 
Um, otherwise, all the same people, Bobby Keys, Ivan uh, Neville, Bobby. Waddy Wattel, yeah. yeah. You know, I was looking at that. Like, I've listened to uh, uh, Words of Wonder like four times. I mean, you really sang the shit out of that thing. And that was, it seems like that it'd been a while since you'd done a reggae song. Do you still listen to reggae now? I, I do. I listen to the old classic reggae quite, you know, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I just got back from Jamaica. And, um, that, that ain't playing reggae down there anymore. <laughs> 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 What's going on down there now, man? Yeah, the, the usual, just about, you know, the, the usual funk rap. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Hip-hop. Hip-hop, yeah. Well, it's weird because I think I have that uh, that box set. That I, don't even, I don't even know who put it out, that Wingless Angels box set where it sounds like you got, you're in a cave with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... What was it like playing with Steve on the tour? You know, I mean, you guys said a lot of nice things about Charlie, but what's the dynamic, you know, in terms of how he plays different than Charlie? Steve, very canny, man. Uh, because he he can play like Charlie Watts, but he didn't, you know, at the same time, he was trying to do a mix of how Charlie approaches things and then, but throwing in his own thing at the same time. And he's, uh, he's a master, man. He was, he, he slotted in immediately that the whole band sort of responded yeah. to, to, you know, and, uh, very so simple. Mind you, we have been playing a lot. Uh, we all know each other. I mean, yeah. Steve, Steve's no stranger to the stones. And, uh, so, but it slotted in as, you know, how you wish how what you hope for you got. And it was, yeah. uh, Great, you know. Yeah, it sounded good to me. Yeah, man, good energy, good feel. And, uh, you know, considering the circumstances with the COVID and everything, you know, a great tour, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, in Florida, they didn't give a fuck about COVID, it seemed. <laughs> I'm, surprised, I'm surprised none of you guys got COVID in Florida. <laughs> you. you. You, you managed not to get it, huh? Yeah, we're careful, man. We've run a ton of, run a very pro-tight ship, you know, in, in under circumstances like that. Our whole crew, nobody, everybody, um, you know, that's how you get through these things. Otherwise, bump. Yeah, and you're feeling pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. The last time I talked to you was 2015, and, you know, I'm not going to take any credit for anything, but... But I mentioned that you really need to do a blues record. And, you know, within a year, you did a blues record. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to think that I had anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can Actually, tell me. It was huh? being cut, like, when, as you, when you were talking about it. Oh, you know, it was? That, it was? Yeah, because we, we cut it over a period of time, you know, that 15, 16. But, um, I got to tell you, man. I got to tell you. You're the same. That's what I was saying. Right. You know? It's a great fucking record, Keith. It's a yeah. great fucking record. Yeah, it's the stuff, you know, I mean, as is. And uh, yeah, I really liked it, man. You know, Because you know what's amazing about it is re- true, and you know this, right? So, like, really, you know, anyone can play blues. You know, I, I sit here and play them, right? But that's what you guys came from, and that's what you aspire to. So, the, the you know, to do it, like, whatever it is, 50 years later, to do a record that could have been the song list of your first record, and just yeah. to... That, that the way you guys own that music and it's uniquely the Stones playing blues, it's like, it's such a gift. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. And I loved it. I loved it. I listen to it all the time, man. I like, I, and I tell people about it. I'm like, cause you know, some, for some reason, I'm like, you don't know about Blue and Lonesome. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta spread the word that you guys made a fucking blues record that is just because you're a blues band. That's how it started, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
Are you going to do another one? Another <laughs> another blues record? You know, I mean, it, it can come up just like that. When the, so I'm not cutting. I'm not cutting it out at all. Uh, it, it could happen, but it's, I'm not saying we're planning one right now. But blues records sort of happen in a studio when everybody's like a dead period, and somebody picks up and starts playing that stuff. Yeah, and then before you know it, you're cutting. You know, I just, I mean, you know, I just, I just love it, man. And I just uh, like, who was it? Don was? Did he? Did he wrangle you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how do you like how do you come like Little Rain? I mean, hardly anyone knows that Jimmy Reed song. And you guys like and it's you it it sounded great, dude. Who how'd you figure it out? Uh, and Bill, we were just playing our favorites, man. Little Rain was always a favorite of ours way back in the sixty two and we oh, were really? playing. Yeah. yeah, and then Eric's on one, and what? He was just down the hall or something. Yeah, he dropped by. Yeah, for uh, I forget which song. Uh, yeah, he was playing Slide. Yeah. yeah. That's so wild, man! I can't, I can't believe that record. And okay, because I've been listening to you know, I've been listening to. I just watched a documentary on Howlin' Wolf, and uh, yeah. holy shit, that guy was amazing. Yeah, yeah, he was. I've been reading about him. Funnily enough, uh, and how uh, Sam Phillips uh, yeah. found him. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Are you reading that Sam Phillips autobiography? Yeah, well, it's not auto, but it's uh, Peter. What's his Garolnik. name? Come yeah. on, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a great book. That guy's a smart guy. Oh, yeah, we did a TV show uh, with Wolf on the West Coast, uh, uh, 1964, I think. Uh -huh. uh, that's where we met him, yeah. And also, uh, we he recorded some stuff in London. Was that, Were you on that? Is there a Bill and Eric? I wasn't on that, but the Stone Stump, Charlie was, and I think uh, Bill, Bill Wyman. Yeah. Um, Steve Winwood, Eric Clapton. I yeah. think, yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good record. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Do you ever you ever talk to Bill? You ever say hi or what? Yeah, I saw him uh, last time I was in London a year ago. Yeah, yeah. he's he's all right, man. They say more. <laughs> so what? So what's the big plan, man? Are you gonna? So this record's gonna come out now after you do a tour, like you just got off of, like now. Now, usually when it's over, have you had enough of Mick for a little while? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually not true. I, I mean, it was, I, as I told you, I'd been in Jamaica. Yeah. I was in Jamaica with Mick. Uh, oh. We were we spent a week together putting material together and just hanging around. You know, so that's, uh, I love hearing that. That's yeah. uh, well, that's nice. Everybody's so nice. Look at you. You're getting older, and you, everyone's a nice guy. It's a nice year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you putting together stones material yeah yeah steve jordan was down there too and uh you know uh, oh so you got some songs going oh yeah yeah that was the idea that's what happened yeah how many you got down man i really can't count more than i can count actually. no it, it was a very prolific uh week uh that's fucking great news, man. So were yeah. you, what, you just sit around with the guitars and go? Yeah, no, we had to set up there, you oh. know, everything, you know, bass drums and we, had, we got a pretty good sound going. I oh, see. yeah? Is it different? Yeah. No, J Jamaica's good for sound, you Because <laughs> that's what I noticed about Main Offender is that, you know, it, it's pretty timeless. It doesn't, you know, you didn't do any weird production things. It's just, it's sort of there. And it's like it, all the songs are just, you know, great Keith Richards songs. They just hold yeah. up. Yeah, what it is. 
So what? So what's the plan with the new music? Is it mostly like a stone sound? Are you trying anything new? Um, it's everything takes on. I was playing a lot of bass, uh, so it was taking on a sort of another angle. Oh. But, um, but it's quite interesting. Oh, but, good. Um, at the same time, it, it, it's stones, and you know, you, you, so, <laughs> you know, it's stones. You know? Right, and, uh, right, um, right. Yeah. That's the way it is. Uh, but it's great fun. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we're and because we're gearing up, you know, for you, I, I presume or I hear that we're playing Europe uh, very shortly. Holy shit! So how like you're going to go out again? Now don't. <laughs> Do you, do, you, do you do you love it? I mean, are you? I mean, do you? Are you feel yeah, I, I, once a year? I, lo- I love to, to keep the hand in, and it's, uh, nothing like it playing on stage. Uh, oh, so know. great! It's so great. Like I like how I like everybody's got a different. You know, like it's funny that all of you guys are well. You know, you and Ronnie and Mick, anyways, are, are sort of like uh, you're sort of aging into a, a, an almost newer timing with each other. You know, like they're they're just something that happened naturally. It's so beautiful because who who do you know? Mm. Like first of all, you know, you look great because you know I, you decided on a beanie and you stopped you know weaving your hair and with beads. And I I like that, but you know the beanie's nice, it's clean look, something to do. But but everybody looks great. So how's how's Ron doing? How's Ronnie good? Ron very good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we uh, I was in we were in touch with him in Jamaica uh, uh, via the phone. You know, yeah, he's uh, he's getting ready for the tour, man. He's All just, right. You know, All right. Well, that sounds fucking great. And I hope you do another blues record. Throw a blues cover on that new record. And okay, take, man. And take care of yourself. It's always great seeing you. And I and I and I really like. I loved listening to this record again. And as I said, you know, I'm not a big uh, box set guy, but Jesus, this thing is beautiful. It's beautiful. You can just sit there and look at the picture. Oh, I remember. There's pictures in here. What's with the strats? I like. I don't. I don't think I ever seen you with a strat. There's pictures of you. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, every now and again, you know, it, it depends on the song, you know. Yeah. You like that P90 sound recently, though, right? Yeah. That's that dirty sound. It was. It sounds great, man. Yeah, but I, I just, I love it, man. Love you. Love seeing you. Glad you're well. One love. Okay, Mark. Thanks. Yeah, man. take it easy, man. Yeah, you too. Fucking Keith Richards, man. All right, look. What, it's so fun. It's so fun. I got to get that beanie, though. You can order the box set from KeithRichards.com, okay? And someone, t- tell me, listen, I'm serious about the beanie. I want to know where to get the beanie. I want to know where to get the beanie. All right, here's the uh, full interview that we did at the NPR studios in New York in 2015. That was where he was talking the morning edition. I just kind of piggybacked on. And uh, he, I smoked a cigarette. Keith Richards got me to smoke a cigarette. I knew what I was getting into. Hey, man. Nice to meet you. Wow. Let's do it. Okay. We're on... We're on. <laughs> I got my nicotine candies. You got yours? <laughs> oh, baby, yeah. Right here. <laughs> you got the real ones. Oh, I miss the Marlboro Reds. Yeah. I, I actually thought about uh, 
about smoking. I thought if there was a time to start again, it would be with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me just hold one. Yeah. 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 You can just look at it if yeah. you like. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. What are we drinking this afternoon? Uh, nuclear waste. Oh, perfect. That's good. Yeah. You've adapted to it. No problem. <laughs> I'm ahead of the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I figured you'd drink nuclear waste. You have to, right? Just to keep going? Well, just to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to figure out what I'm going to light this fucking cigarette. You know what's interesting? I, I don't Let's know if... see if you can hold out. Okay. Mm. I'll try. I'll try. It's been about a decade, but I think I I talked to you briefly on the phone. I don't know if you remember. Maybe I'd like to think you would remember. We talked. I told you that I started smoking because of you. I started drinking oh, because of you. Oh, you're the one. I'm the one. <laughs> good one. That's good. But it was funny because I remember reading an interview with you, and, I, and, and they asked you what kind of cigarettes you smoke, and you said, well, Newport, sometimes Marlboro Reds. So I was about 14, and I went out and got a pack of both and just you know played it out, see what stuck. Yeah, I don't know where they got the Newports from. You never said yeah. it. You never tried it. Marlboro Reds, yeah. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> well, well, whatever. I was, I was walking around with both in high school trying to figure out how to be Keith Richards. Oh man! Yeah, it was yeah. a rough. It was a rough few years. But like, I, made I, I was in school trying to figure out how to be Keith Richards too. <laughs> Did you, Strange, isn't it? <laughs> you figured it out. Well, you be, you're like I interviewed the president a few weeks ago, and I'm actually a little more frazzled about this because you know presidents come and go, but uh, you know you, you're Keith Richards, you remain forever. Yeah, and, that's the yeah, that's sort of one of the blessings. <laughs> <laughs> you're like royalty, man. Oh, I don't know about that. I've no crown. Yeah, are you uh, sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. I, I think you do. Well, this is like a, a. I'll get through the nerves in a minute, but it's a big deal to meet you because you're a big idol of mine. Now, do you? When oh. you started playing, and you guys started to, you know, sort of come into your own, do you remember the first idol of yours that you met? Oh, um, Little Richard. Really? Yeah, I'm Bo Diddley. Really? Uh, yeah, because we suddenly we were thrown onto this tour. I mean, before that we'd been working clubs, you know. I mean, suddenly we had a record, and, uh, yeah, and we were thrown on this tour with Little Richard, Bo Diddley, and the Everly Brothers. Uh-huh. And so I, I suddenly met, uh, you know, half of my uh, childhood mentors, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> all in one, and I'm working with them too, you know, which was uh, an amazing education. I mean, that's that's a university for me. Uh huh. Did Did you talk to Bo? Did you ask him questions? Yeah, was there... I mean, we were on the road for like three or four weeks. You really? Know? Yeah, yeah. I used to take care of Jerome Green. Was his maracas player? Uh huh. And Jerome was a great lush. <laughs> yeah. And it was my job to get him out of the pub, to get him on stage. <laughs> it's funny, I think those roles changed later in life. That maybe yeah, you yeah. Had a guy that... I mean, I was willingly uh, happy uh-huh. to do it, you know. I mean, was, Jerome was a loose cannon, and, uh, you know, somebody had to do it. Right. So uh, we ended up becoming great buddies, and, and, and Bo. Little Richard was amazing to watch. Yeah. His stagecraft, uh, let alone his music. I mean, he had an English band with him, which they weren't bad. A pickup I mean, band? Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. But they were they were pretty good. But I mean, I'd, I'd have wished he had his own band with him. Uh, but at the same time, man, the the, the way he would—you uh, never knew where he was going to appear from. Right, know? right, right. I mean, he'd let that band play uh, Lucille, let the riff. 
right. for like five minutes, you know, non-stop. Right. In total darkness, you know. And then he'd turn up in the back of the back of the auditorium, you know, with the spotlight on him. And, and walk through the crowd? Yeah, and then yeah. walk through. And I did, wow, the way you can work a room, and you know, I'm learning, I'm learning things. Right. <laughs> you, but you all must have been learning things. Just yeah, like, and the Everly Brothers, I mean, it's so meticulously beautiful. Those harmonies, right? Mm, wow. Yeah. And you were with him for like three weeks you did that tour? Yeah, yeah, 63. Yeah. So that was before England's newest hit makers, or around the same uh, time? Uh, it had just come out about the same time. Yeah. When was the last time you listened to that record? Um... <laughs> the odd track yeah. now and again yeah. it's a weird thing because like I listened to that record a lot you know and I came to the Stones like much later because I mean I'm tw I'm 51 yeah, so I was picking youngster. it up right but that record I played the shit out of that record to me that was you know the that was the the pure intention the birth of it all yeah in a way I guess it was it was for us anyway and uh, and it was recorded in this little room uh, that uh, the professed to call itself a studio yeah um and uh, it, the whole walls were covered in egg boxes that oh, was right. called soundproof right first class <laughs> yeah. yeah top notch and uh it was a grundig two track but it was hung on the wall yeah instead of if it was on the table it would have looked like you know unpro but it's hung on the wall <laughs> <laughs> give it a professional feel yeah maybe yeah. we cut the whole damn thing on that you know and uh, it was uh, so i started on two track really right. basic yeah. did you do honest honest i do yeah Is that on that one yeah. can i get a witness can i, I think get a witness yeah yeah, yeah. tell me and, tell me yeah yeah and like that, you set out to be a blues band. Yeah. Right? That was the intention. Pure. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. And and at that time, you know who I talked to? I don't know if you guys are friends or not. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to Richard Thompson. And Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. And, I, we're, not, we're not friends because I hardly ever see him, I don't know, but I know yeah, the man. Yeah, because yeah, like, I think he was a little younger, but he was talking about the scene in London at that time. There were so many bands, and you guys would all see each other late at night, like at restaurants, and, and see each other play all the time. And what was the scene you were involved in? It was all blues, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we were strictly, uh, at that time, at the beginning of the Stones, strictly... Uh, our, you know, we were almost uh, Jesuits. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. well, let's say missionary. Uh -huh. uh, but no, our, our whole aim was to turn London on to like you know rhythm and blues on the blues. And right. That, that was uh, that was like the scope for the whole universe would be. Right. That you know, and to have three or four or five gigs a week, and. You know, uh, and that would be you know that's it. You know, who are, who were your guys early on? Where who were the the dudes that you were the most uh, you're trying to emulate on the guitar? Like before Chuck, the straight up blues dudes. Yeah, T Bone Walker. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, Muddy Waters, too, right? Very simply, Buddy Guy. Yeah. Um, Slim Harpo and, or was that and, later? And yeah, Slim Harpo. I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy Reed. I, I was yeah. Jimmy Reed was hot on Jimmy Reed. Yeah, because we were not so much interested in being you know, a virtuosos. I mean, it was how those guys got that sound. Right, right. And to us, it was the thing of trying to get close to making 
that kind of sound. Yeah, know? yeah. And we studied, man. <laughs> what you and Brian? We were studied and starved. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what was Brian's thing? He was. A, what was he into most? Were you both Brian, into the same thing? Brian, very big into Jimmy Reed. Okay. Yeah. So very that's where that came from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so Mick and I were also into, but Brian had the records. Right, right. We didn't, you know, Mick had the Muddy Waters and, and I had the Chuck Berry. Uh, Brian had uh, the Jimmy Reed. Okay, and all right. So, I mean, there was an obvious collection, you know, and a connection. But Jimmy Reed stuff, I, I still think, is some of the most beautifully recorded stuff, and it's so simple. Yeah, he plays it. He does a weird thing, right, on the on the five. He on keep, the five he, string. He leaves he, that he, open. He, he, yeah, if the, you, if, because if you're playing an E, when he's playing the five chord, he lets the three chord, uh, the, the, the seventh note still hang right the, he leaves the A yeah, open yeah, right uh, yeah he yeah, leaves yeah. it open I learned that from God, Bobby Goldsborough oh really yeah I mean, on he a, hit on you a to that bus. he <laughs> hit me to that because he'd been on the road with Jimmy Reed so he he hits me to you know the weird thing that makes that sound is like he does this yeah know? yeah he leaves that open A string going you know and yeah, Oh, oh man! I've been trying to get that for years. I would never have figured it. You know. Oh, that's it's funny how those moments happen. I mentioned they must have been a few of those moments, like when you were putting together your chops, where you're like, "Oh fuck, that's how that goes." Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, you keep looking. You know, how did the hell did he pull that lick off? Right. You know, I mean, even with Chuck, when you did that fucking movie with him. Yeah, man. Where you- <laughs> <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> we had the argument about the beginning of O'Carroll. Yeah, <laughs> that was touch and go, man. Well, that was that was uh, that was him testing me out, you know, and I, yeah. uh, and uh, and pushing. Chuck has al- always has to be numero uno, right? You know, he's fine. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. after all, the movie's about Chuck. Yeah, know? right, I mean, right. I, you know, hey, to me, I'm living my childhood dream of being second guitar behind Chuck Berry. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you never knew what a pain in the ass that would be, I guess. No, no. He, <laughs> I tell you what, at the same time, yeah. he's a funny guy. I yeah. mean, it, it just, uh, what is it, mercurial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One minute, he's you know, like, yeah. and then he'd like, piss off for uh, half an hour. Yeah. And he'd come back, and he'd be... Back on top. Well, yeah, I don't know what. Did he take a hit or something? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, yeah, he's he was, he's he was a great uh, mood changer, but incredible to work with. And I think my my best uh, you know, feat uh, out of that was when I said to Chuck Berry, that, uh, "Johnny Johnson stood around because." Uh, Ian Stewart, who had just died that year, who was the Stones piano player. From the beginning. From the beginning. I mean, actually, I consider the Stones to be Ian's band. Really? Yeah, yeah. He put it together. Really? He he pulled us together. Without him, we wouldn't have coagulated. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And and he only got pushed. He he stopped being in the in the main lineup because what 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 happened? Oh well, he he wasn't good looking enough, and there was like uh, they oh. thought six was too many. Okay, Stu having the largest heart in the world said, "Yeah, I understand that. That's uh. cool." But we I mean we recorded. It was still his band. You know? for, for and his... he and he, he became our roadie, our manager, road manager, and everything. Take care of everything. 
So I think that Ian Stewart considered us his baby, uh-huh. and, and I consider him my dad. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. But so your relationship with Ian sort of made you reach out and find Johnny. Yeah, because the last thing that uh, Ian Stewart ever told me is, uh, and this was just before he died, he yeah. said, don't forget, Keith, that Johnny Johnson is alive and playing in St. Louis. Right. Ian said that to you. Yeah. Yeah. And within a year, I'm working with Chuck Berry. Yeah. And I was saying, you know, in my mind, I'm saying to myself, well, without Johnny Johnson, it's, you know, it's never going to be the same. So I say to Chuck, hey, Chuck, you know, <laughs> Johnny around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Chuck comes with a very dead panther. Mm, yeah, he's in town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any chance of uh, getting him together on this thing? I'll give him a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the next day there was Johnny, and then I realized I had... The band. The stuff. Yeah. You know, and I realized I had the stuff that had actually made Chuck's records. and Sounds so good. And, yeah. And that he that he literally learned how to play those licks from Johnny's piano playing. Yeah. That Johnny was first. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. And that, it's weird. When I watch that movie, because I've been a fan of yours my whole life, but I'm not sure I, I, I necessarily understood, you know, how complicated the rhythm of Chuck Berry is and how you deconstructed that to get your shit. Yeah, it's a variation on the name, but Chuck and I basically play the same. It's basically the role. Right. You know, it's syncopation. Right. It's, And for that, you need a drummer that you can totally rely on, you know. Yeah. And and which is, unfortunately for Chuck, uh, once he'd used pickup bands for... Went like, away. Yeah, because he couldn't rely on the drummer. Right. And they were just bands he'd never met, you know. And, right. Which was unfortunate in that respect. Because uh, there's I, a bounce to but it. But I've no doubt Chuck walked out with the money. <laughs> <laughs> in a briefcase. Yeah. In a Cadillac. Oh, I know that briefcase. <laughs> but that's it. That's a bounce. It's a bounce, right? It's a, it's a cut against the beat, you know. Right. But the drama has to be right on yeah. for you to be able to, like, chop the beat around and, and move it and make, right. it and make it roll. Yeah. That's the roll in the rock. You know? and that, right. And that's Charlie. Yeah, solid. I can, can I count on that man or what? You know, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I imagine you, you know, but yeah, I think what was it, Abco reissued a few uh, of the old ones. Yeah, they, they reissued uh, "Get Your Yayas Out," right? So yeah. I used I used to listen to that shit in you know in high school, right? And I put on the reissue, and I had this moment in my living room where I'm like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> Bill and Charlie are holding this whole thing together right now. <laughs> Yeah. Did, did you? Hey, nothing like a good rhythm section. <laughs> like until I heard that that remaster and the way you guys were all fitting together, I was like, Jesus, man, that's so solid. But I don't know why. I think in the live situation, I think Mick even said something about it that they were nailing it that night. Do you have Do you have memories of those nights in particular that you recorded? And you know, uh, when you're on stage, yeah. Um, no, quite honestly, no, because I'm not thinking about we're being recorded yeah. or filmed, which is even worse. Because people get aware of the cameras and they, yeah. they start to tighten up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no tightening up. But, uh, I try and forget all about uh, the, uh, you know, what's going on around me. Yeah. Just do the gig. Yeah. Yeah, I saw you in uh, San Diego, I went. 
just now, the first night of the oh, tour. Yeah. It, it got you, better and better, too, and that was a good show. It, it was, was a good a, show. It was a great show. I was nervous. I was nervous for you. I don't know what the hell. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I hadn't what been. To, guy. I hadn't been to see you in a long time. I, I saw you guys in '81 at Madison Square Garden when uh, yeah, I guess it was probably the Tattoo You tour and Screaming yeah. Jay Hawkins opened for some reason. Oh yeah. yeah. I think James Brown was supposed to, and then something happened. I don't know what happened, but I know, probably didn't like Screaming Jay. Yeah, I don't know, but it was just weird. The Screaming Jay comes out with the voodoo stick. Yeah. I don't even think he had a fucking band with him. <laughs> Everyone in Madison Square Garden is like, what's happening? And then you guys came out, and I just, I didn't go see you because, like, I don't know, like, I, it was strange for me when Bill left. Was it strange for you? Absolutely. I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> I sent out the hitman. <laughs> Except I love him so much. Yeah. I, I, I can't go that far. Yeah. You know, I'll just break your legs. Yeah. Right. No, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a hard call, man. Yeah. He'd, what, he'd tire out? Yeah, uh, he, he's, and it also he developed this fear of flying. Oh, really? So he was like driving to every gig, which is like, you know, sometimes they were so <laughs> far, but you know. Right. And uh, eventually he decided, and it was his decision. Yeah, yeah. To call it the day. And uh, I said, you kidding me, man? You know, he, <laughs> what are you going to do, you, right? You, 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 you were in the RAF <laughs> in 1956. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Schlepping around in <laughs> yeah. Germany, yeah, you know? and uh, no, he was he was adamant, and he and he he made his decision, and maybe it was right for him, right, you know. And all I can say is that, ooh, I get Daryl Jones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was the first time I'd seen uh, you guys in a long time, and like I said, I was nervous because I hadn't seen you in thirty-five years. And man, what a fucking! You sounded great. And I mean, it, there was moments there where you know they're we've improved over time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've gotten good. I think you're really tight right. You're good right now. I, I'm going to take it up. <laughs> yeah, but I uh, uh, the 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 experience of it was um, like when I there was moments where 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 Mick was running, you know, running back and forth. Do you ever like uh, like at the point where you guys are at now? You know, I mean, we're mature gentlemen. You're a little more mature than me. Do you have moments where you're like, I hope he doesn't fall the fuck down? Oh no, I never worry about. No, Mick is so nimble, man. And uh, it's crazy. I, yeah, I mean, uh, Charlie is, uh, and I always watch Mick in case it, if you, when you get out the, right, in right. the audience that you're not hearing the beat right, right, the oh. same as it actually right. is. But uh, we're actually experts. Right? He's he's crossed the beat. Okay, <laughs> and we can we you can changed clear, Mick? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh we're funny. like a safety net under Mick. He doesn't realize it probably, <laughs> but uh, I mean Charlie and I always say, "Well, oh, you know, okay, um, we got um, it, we got him. We can actually do that." Yeah, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, what that's you... where the job of a band is to like support the the front man. Yeah, know? yeah. And now when you got you because know, when we talked before, you talk a lot about the the band and and your band and and the band, but I, I have to. Assume that when you guys started out, you know, at the beginning, you, you were just a bunch of buddies, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it just evolved uh, into this brought thing. Brought together by the music. Right. Yeah. Who was the guy that you guys used to play with or play at his club when he started? Was it Alex Corner? Is that who it yeah, was? Yeah, Alexis Corner. Alexis Corner. Yeah, yeah. That was the Ealing Club, yeah. And yeah. he was like a blues empresario? Yeah, he, he, he at the time, probably had... Uh, 
you know, the blues uh, nailed down in London. Right, if yeah. you, you know, if you wanted to hear blues, you went, you had to see Alexis. He's the only guy playing it, basically. Right, you know? right. And uh, also, he had Cyril Davis, who was a great harp player with him. And it, it, it was, uh, it, they were good. Alexis wasn't particularly, you know, that good. I remember Alexis uh, one night invited us, Mick and me, up to uh, do a number. Yeah. And, uh, and Mick and I said, right, we're going to do roll over Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> Alexis, immediately, he had, used to use a thumb pick. You okay, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he cut his strings and said, oh, I'll leave it to you. And, and just, you just took it? Yeah, no, yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. want to play that rock and roll. Oh, really? Well, so know. he's a real purist? Well, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm not, he appreciated rock and roll and everything, but, I mean, he knew that he couldn't... Uh, he yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't be a, an addition. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna bow out on this one. Well, the, on the new record, you know, I listened to uh, I listened to it like a, a, a couple of times. Uh, Cross-eyed hearts, the name of the record, right? Yeah. yeah. So the first song, like I noticed, like it, you're going way back for that. I mean, that's that's pre Jimmy Reed. That's, that's pre Muddy Waters. Robert Johnson. That's Robert Johnson. Because I noticed, like it, it's, it's a tip of the hat to Robert Johnson. It's like Hellhounds on my trail, almost, man. It's like a, it's just a piece. Yeah. Like you, you, you can hear you breathing. You can hear you know every squeak of your fingers and every pick. You know it's very, it, it's it's all very uh, raw and organic. And then you're just like, that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the riff. And no, it's not even. It's like a, it's almost like a blues meditation. Yeah, yeah. you know and what I mean. I thought you know that that would be you know you know when, when we got all the tracks together. So if we're gonna put that blues in. Might as well be the starter. And yeah. Then, and then, you know, it's like, you know, when people walk into movie, movies yeah. and they say, you know, the, the, the overture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. there's sort of a subtle overture. Yeah, as we yeah. And then you bookended it with uh, Goodnight Irene, another blues, different style, more of a folk blues, but the, on both sides, you got some, you got Lead Belly. Belly. Yeah, you got Lead Belly and Robert just holding it all in. Yeah, I wanted to do. Uh, you know, a couple of classic American yeah. folk songs. Right. Know? And the weird thing that happened is that uh, Tom Waits had sent me a big book on Lead Belly, and it had just arrived, and I just put it on the table. Yeah. And at the same time, a few hours later, in walks my guitar man, Pierre de Beauport. How long have you been with that guy? A million years, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, since uh, early 90s, yeah. 91. Yeah. And, and that, um, brilliant guitar. I mean, I, I'm lost without him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he decides which guitar I'm going to play on songs. That's how, how much I trust him. And um, he walked in with this 12 string. So I'm looking at this book of Lead Belly. Yeah. Uh, that Tom Waits has just sent me and I'm looking at this 12 string and I'm saying <laughs> I have no choice I've been ordered to right. do a good night Irene yeah know. yeah it's pretty haunting music some of his stuff huh oh yeah Lead Belly was uh, deep you know, you know deep and I found the original lyrics you know which are much uh, I know I didn't know them yeah, yeah, they're, they're much raunchier than right because then it became you know you get the black and white minstrels singing it. I mean, right, and it became like a an American folk song. Maybe you know, right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. People would waltz to it and stuff. No, but it was kind of a dirty song. The, the real show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So what? Like you got a guitar uh, guy, this guy Pierre, but like you, you're pretty committed to like a handful of guitars. Like there's four or five that you you play pretty much all the time. Yeah, pretty much. And when it comes down to work, yeah. And I was watching. I was trying to figure it out on stage because I, you know, I, I bought a telly because of you way back when. Not a you know good one, but it, you know I, I had it. Yeah. I think you were on the cover of Guitar Player, but yeah, I think you had one that was uh, altered. I don't remember. It had a the the rhythm pickup was was regular, and then there was a humbucker, uh-huh. you know, on the on the lead pickup. We do screw around with them. <laughs> <laughs> we we do rewire them. Yeah, yeah. And we do play around with the pickups yeah. on them. Yeah. And you play that fifty four all the time. That that cream yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah. For yeah. years. Yes, yeah, boom, I'm bashing the hell out of it yeah. still, you know. What do you go into, though? Like, you you know, you're not a pedal guy now, are you? No pedals? No, no. I Just straight in. Hey, man, I mean, it's enough to stand up straight. Let <laughs> alone <laughs> <laughs> poking around on buttons, you know. So you just change the volume when well, you need yeah, to. Yeah, and, and, and also they... I mean, any of those effects that I need actually can be done from behind. Pierre's if we need a little oh. tremolo. Yeah, yeah. Done. We do it from because I need to know where to put my feet. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, tripping over those boxes. Yeah, and it, it, it just ties you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, what made you decide? Because when I talked to you before, you guys were maybe going to do Sticky Fingers. You're going to run all three, but that that died in one night, and the, the the recording of it sounded great. So, what made you the next night decide like, no, we're not going to we're not going to do it. Well, we I don't know, uh, um, maybe Mick's a better one to ask on that, but uh, it, you, know, you just thought, uh, and I think we all thought that, uh, you know, doing it the whole thing once was enough, and we were, yeah. that actually was sweating our balls getting through it, you know. <laughs> really? and, uh, well, you know, but hey, the whole album, you know. And sure. The, uh, the the hardest one to play and and one of the most beautiful ones is I got the blues right you know, which is so slow yeah and it's very the hardest thing for a band is to keep a temp a slow tempo uh, yeah. down I mean everything tends to speed up so right. it has to be you know that Steve Gropper was great at yeah, that yeah, with Otis yeah. you know right and, um, yeah but, uh, and Al Jackson, the drummer, you know, with, uh, with in Memphis. But you guys didn't just you didn't want to drop into that. I also noticed. I, I think that there's a there's the you know the, to be the greatest rock and roll band and the biggest rock and roll show, you know you're gonna have, you know you got to be big. You know what I mean? You did you did Moonlight Mile, which was yeah. beautiful. He hit those fucking notes. That was crazy. Yeah, I yeah I enjoyed, I started to like playing that on the stage. At first, I thought. Uh, yeah, going out on a limb here, Mick. You know, yeah. it's a little sparse. You know. Yeah. But as we got into it, it was it was beautiful to play and uh, great fun, and they were loving it out there. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Otis, uh, yeah. I was thinking about like because you know he could lay back on that on that groove, but but it's I was thinking about what did you after you you know Satisfaction was a hit, and then he decided to cover it. That must have been a big fucking day. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a, no, put another crown on, baby. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, for one of our songs to be covered by one of the greatest R and B singers of all time, it was uh, you know. I mean, you know, let's die and go to heaven. You know, I <laughs> mean, or it. wherever. I <laughs> know <laughs> 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 because that was basically the cream on the, right. on the whole thing, and then Aretha did it. And uh, you know, and then we were like in double heaven. Yeah. But um, 
No, it was great to get that respect and that uh, respond and reciprocation back from. Hey, after all, we play black music, right? You know, I mean, why does white can be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and he found that groove though. Like you know, to make that a soul song was something, huh? Yeah, it was and amazing. It was, and it was just amazing that that, that these people that respected and admired so much would take do one of our songs. And know? then you played with on this record, on the new record. Did you use Spooner Oldham, right? Spooner's there, yeah. And he played with Aretha on some of the big hits, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. Down in Muscle Shoals. So that must have been amazing to work with that guy. You'd worked with him before? No, first time I've ever met Spooner, although I've known him, I feel like I've known him for years because yeah. he's been on so many records. I was actually uh, Graham Parsons that first pointed out Spooner Oldham to me. Really? Uh, and that was in like 71 or something. He, he knew it. He, he, he oh, felt it. Graham knew country music. And Spooner was basically a country music player at that time. And, um, uh huh. I didn't even know that he was still around. And uh, on a couple of phone calls, Steve Jordan, bless his heart, the man I work with, and, uh, you know, who co-wrote these songs with me and produced it, you know. Great the, drummer. Fantastic drummer. Been playing with him a long time on your solo yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was turned on uh, Charlie Watts said to me in the about 85, 86, yeah. uh, we knew the Stones were going to take a, like a, a hiatus or a hibernation or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, and uh, Charlie Watts said, uh, if you're going to work with anybody else, Steve Jordan's your man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And yeah. I took him at his word. I listened to Charlie assiduously. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and and Steve and I started to work together. And not only we just sort of worked together, we fell into each other's arms, and uh, he's a great friend of mine. And, uh, That's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to walk into a studio with a bunch of dudes you know and yeah. you know and trust, yeah. and we're, we're going to make something. Um, and so, you know, the winos came together, you know, Ivan Neville, man. You know, yeah, yeah, Waddy yeah. Wachtel, like never Forever praise. you play with that guy. I love that guy. Long time, <laughs> right? Great player. Great. great yeah. Player. Simpatico. Yeah. Mm. And, 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 and uh, this was the last record that Bobby Keys played on? Unfortunately, yeah. I'm sorry you mm -hmm. lost your friend, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, Bobby's probably laughing his head off. <laughs> 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 but oh, no, we had no idea that was going to be his last recorded mm -hmm. uh, stuff when we did it. But um, no, Bobby, hey, that's Mr. Rock and Roll. Man. Uh, yeah. As uh, large as Texas, yeah. not larger. Between the two of you, it's yeah. like you're, you're, you're both Mr. Rock and Roll. <laughs> he, he certainly lived the life. He certainly did. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Now, when, that, when, 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 when you lose somebody that you've been with uh, around with that long, but you know... You, 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 I, I guess at some point you realize that you, you know we're all living on borrowed time, and he certainly didn't waste any, right? Right. No. He said, "I ain't got no time to lose, baby." <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> no. Before you met Graham, though, you were you were into country music, but do you think Parsons really kind of blew your mind on it, or what? It's just that I met Graham in in London. Uh, he was actually with the Birds at the time. They'd done that, Sweetheart of the, the Rodeo. Rodeo. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And they'd stopped in London and did a couple of gigs. And then they were destined to go play South Africa. Mm -hmm. And I happened to uh, bump into Graham that night. I went to see the show, and we, we got to talking after. And he said, uh, 
I'm getting this sort of feeling, you know, about South Africa, and I don't know, you know, I don't understand it. I don't know. So I explained to me, it's like it's like going to the south, honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but even worse. Yeah. You know, this is like, you know, this isn't segregation. This is apartheid. Mm-hmm. And once he'd done this, he said, well, and he left the birds that day and stayed with me in London. And, oh, really? Like, he just let them go on their own? Yeah. On yeah. principle. Yeah. 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 That's fucking beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so there we became very, very close friends. Uh, had a few cold turkeys together. <laughs> Sweat it out. Yeah. <laughs> that's sad, too. Yeah, that guy died so young. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. That's another one, you know. But you still do. Like, it's interesting. Like, this record, uh, y- you know, it's got all the stuff that you love on it. You know, you've got you've got your soul ballad. You know, you got your country music. Mm-hmm. I got reggae. Reggae. Yeah, the reggae. Yeah. Yeah, the reggae was really good, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, he's like doing reggae again. And it, but you love it. I've always loved it. I've lived in Jamaica for many years. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, you don't got that place anymore? Oh, yeah. You still have it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. But you, it, well, at the time you, you got it, though, didn't you have to get it? Like, you, you, like you couldn't come home, right? <laughs> I burnt the passport, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I got someone sent me that box, that box set that you did with those guys in the cave or something. What, what was that? The, oh, the Wingless Angels. Yeah, yeah, man, the the Rastafarian. That those the, recordings are crazy, man. Yeah, it's man. just like hours of like you know, I'm sort of like I'm like, oh, there's Keith. I can I can hear a little Keith there, you know. I was just backing up. You're right. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was letting the guys have That's their wild, thing, man. man. And. Uh, yeah, luckily, because uh, nearly all of them have uh, passed away since. Oh, yeah. It's a nice and, box, that box. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, uh, you know, it was a great experience, and it was sort of, oh, just to capture some of the last moments of this particular part of Jamaican culture. Yeah. And uh, I managed to do it. Yeah. Know, and they loved it. We had great fun. I mean, <laughs> you couldn't have funnier sessions in your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that lot. A lot you of know, weed. What do you want? A rum and milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in in terms of, um, you know, being at the age you're at now and in sort of the type of songwriting you're doing, because there's a couple of songs on here, like like uh, on the new record, like Amnesia and Nothing on Me, like where I felt were sort of like, you know, celebrations of being still alive in a way. You know <laughs> in, a, I mean? in a way, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, Nothing on Me is... Uh, uh, it basically was about being busted. <laughs> right, right, and, yeah. And it wasn't until I listened to the whole record that I realized that the cops crop up a lot in this record, you know, in, uh, and Rob Bland. Yeah, know, yeah, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and you made it, you made it. You're, you're not yeah. wanted anymore. You're good, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> and there's no, there's no warrants out there. No, no. You're, you're set, you're solid. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about guitar players for a minute. Like, because, uh, all right, so you lost Brian, and then you you bring Mick in, then you toured with Mick a bit, Mick Taylor. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I guess my question, if I'm really going to focus it, cause just out of my own curiosity, because there was some shift where 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 you guys sort of invented modern rock and roll. There was some 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 shift, you know, probably right in the middle or right after Satanic Majesties, where the entire sound and the groove became what the you know the modern Stones are. What do you, what do you think? What happened to sort of make that happen? Was it? Do you, do you, was there a moment where you're like, "This is where it's at"? I mean, the difference between how you cover, like, you know, "Love in Vain" or what you did with the blues and country music on uh, on "Let It Bleed" and and "Beggars in Exile," like it, it just that that became the template for rock and roll 
from that point forward. You know, and in one, uh, in a way, I can put this in two words: Jimmy Miller, producer. Mm. Yeah. 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 How did he affect that? How did he influence um, it? What did he say? Well, after Satanic Majesties, uh, we were, you know, Mick and I were like, um, we have to refocus, man. And that, I mean, that was a mad year. I mean, you know, there was Sergeant Pepper and Satanic Majesties. But, yeah, yeah. You know, well, I guess they're all on acid, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> which was true enough. <laughs> so you did a little acid, yeah, you did the thing. Oh, they'd gone to India. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you had to keep but, up with the with yeah, the Beatles. I mean, no, we yeah. had to refocus. Like, you know, and at that oh, that's time, interesting. So that was the end of you keeping up with the Beatles. You're like, we got to do our shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, huh. I, I couldn't go anywhere right. near there. And I realized that they, that the Beatles, the boys themselves, are sort of outpaced themselves in a right. way. You know, and they they were, you know. Well, they lasted. What they were? They were. What were they? That was it. They did. The what, four are five, do? what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know, numero uno, numero uno, yeah. numero, and uh, uh, and so they started to like you know, like anybody else, uh, to play around and uh, yeah. But that was sixty-seven. That's sixty-six, sixty-seven. Right. Those years were. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, there was LSD all over the place. Right. And uh, and so, if you made, you know, did you like that a, shit? I had a couple of good trips and a couple of bad ones, you know, <laughs> just like anything else, you right, know. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, um, but no, it was not something that I'd wake up in the morning and sort of say, "I must have a tab." You know? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Because then, what are you going to do for the next three days? Yeah, no, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't say I. Re I mean, I don't regret any of it, but it, it was an experiment. And, right. Uh, but how I, th did I think, in a way, it kind of shook uh, Mick and I up uh, because we said, "Boom! Now we really got to tighten up." You know, this is why we got Beggar's Banquet, and and I got to say that Jimmy Miller was the key in uh, in tightening the band up and, uh, and fo refocusing, so to speak. Well, know? it seems like you guys, like like you said about you know doing, uh, you know, yeah, you want me to do it. About um, mm -hmm. <laughs> smoking that first cigarette in ten years with Keith Richards. I I don't know why I wouldn't do that. Thanks, man. I'm a bad influence. Man. Not you, Keith. That 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 sounds so. Not you. You're not a bad influence. Um. So, but in in terms of 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 because when you talk about it, you know, I got the blues. You know, and that laid-back thing. I mean, somebody you know relaxed the band, and and if it was Jimmy Miller, how did he do that necessarily? You know what I mean? Get you into that groove because the sound I, is pretty different yeah. from aftermath to fucking beggars. Yeah, um, it was. I, I think uh, after the Satanic Majesties, uh, I think we'd actually reached the end of our tether. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'd been working 350 days a year man, yeah. for like four years. You yeah, know? I mean, there was, you know, where did you go on your vacation? Vacation? Yeah, Forget about it. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. If we weren't in, the, if we weren't uh, on the road, we were in the studio. And I think, yeah, basically, even at that age, you know, we'd pretty much worn ourselves out. The year between that and and bringing. Uh, uh, and getting Beggar's Banquet together was 
basically re-energizing, getting some rest, re-energizing yeah. and refocusing. And uh, as I say to me, it was Jimmy Miller that uh, like okay. put the lens right. in, in the in the focus. You know, as he was a drummer. He had a oh, he was great sense of uh, okay. sound, and and he loved the band. You right, know what I mean, uh, and he brought out the best in us. And did did Brian die in the middle of that? Somewhere around there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I, I mean, he's the kind of guy you love to hate. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he was... Brilliant but annoying, is that what you're saying? Brilliant, uh, in, in, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, beyond annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that motherfucker. Yeah. He, he would, uh, you know, we'd be in Chicago and play a gig and... Ah, oh, he'd get asthma, and he's got. I got to play three weeks in the Midwest without another guitar player. I mean, oh, because oh, so thank he's God fragile. the girls he were screaming loud enough. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to cover all bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I find out that you know, he was out of the hospital the next day, and like hanging around screwing groupies and. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and not. Uh, Excuse me, man. We need a little more dedication. Yeah, yeah. You know? need a guitar. You got a job. Yeah, you have a job. Yeah. You're in a band. So it, it, it went it. kind of from there. Yeah, you know. I mean that he was, uh, you know, he, was, he became a drag. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then when Mick Taylor comes in, that was a whole different kind of guitar player, right? I mean, it's yeah, a, it's really interesting the difference between you know like Taylor and Wood, but like Mick Taylor was like he was a big part of the sound for a couple albums, huh? He certainly was. I mean, a brilliant guitar player. Yeah. Um, How's he doing? This, well, the last I saw him, I mean, he's doing all right. He's yeah. a bit chubby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's his privilege, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But uh, he, he plays great. Um, and we we worked together for a couple of years. Uh, but, you know, Taylor, you know, I mean, to me, I'm a guitar player. But, you know... On my own, yeah. I, I, I really. I mean, it doesn't interest me. It, 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 my interest is in playing off of the other guy and like oh, right. what you yeah, can yeah, put yeah. together. Because two guitars can sound like an orchestra, right? If you do it right, right, and play off each other, and that's really what. Yeah, that's yeah. My, as Ronnie and I, excuse me, yeah, call it. Uh, the ancient form of weaving. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like where you don't know who's playing lead, who's playing rhythm. That That's you, what you did. That it all yeah. switches through. You know, and, and, and Mick Taylor was kind of his own dude, right? Yeah. 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 So, so I had to readjust uh, right. uh, for that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And and it, at that same time, i just gotten into the five-string thing, so I was rearranging my sound. And uh, Where'd you learn that? Uh, I tell you what, Ry Cooder was the first cat that I learned it from. Uh, yeah. I saw her playing it. Yeah. I didn't learn it because he wouldn't teach you anything. Right. <laughs> Ry keeps he his would. secrets <laughs> and bless his heart. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm still finding out, man. I mean, so, it's, uh, what yeah, you can yeah. do with it because it's a whole different. But to me, it sort of reinterested me in playing guitar because I, you know, it's pretty much at the end of uh, my possibilities on just straight tuning. You right, know, I mean, right. Uh, I'm not going to be Charlie Christian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You accepted and that, and I don't want to be. Right, but, right. You know, but I, when I got to the Open G thing, yeah. I started to really research it. Yeah, and, uh, how to play a minor chord with Open G. You know, is uh, 
and you get all of these uh, resonating notes yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and drone notes right. and stuff you yeah, know, yeah. That, uh, that fascinate and still do you know so well that's what makes that's the genius of Keith right there it's funny <laughs> you're talking about the about the Beatles I, I can't believe I'm smoking my first cigarette in 10 years with Keith Richards in an NPR studio huh <laughs> Huh? How fuck, about that? Fuck everything. We're smoking an NPR. <laughs> yeah. When I, you know what? I, you know what album I love? That, that what song I love is when you play with George Jones. Oh, on the, 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 the Bradley Barn. Bradley Barn thing. I yeah. fucking listen to that all the time, man. I was. I mean, that was a real honor for me. Was it? I mean, yeah, yeah. To work with George Jones. I mean, first off, the Graham Parsons and yeah. I, you know, say like, Graham Parsons with George Jones is like the and he's the singer the greatest singer yeah, yeah. amazing what he, he's uh, he's there with uh, you know Aaron Neville is another cat yeah. that can that can use the voice as if it's you know effortless and yeah. do anything with it in fact <laughs> Frank Sinatra once said that he thought George Jones was the second best singer <laughs> yeah, right. I, I would take exception <laughs> with that. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Amazing voice. Amazing voice, and a, and a great guy. Crazy as nuts in there. But uh, were you guys playing off each other in the studio at the same? Yeah, oh, so you we, did it live, just yeah. like that. If yeah. you feel it too, man. So yeah. it has a beautiful yeah. song. Darling, there's yeah. talk around town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. And you played with. Uh, you did. A, you did a record with Jerry Lee. Yeah, and Jerry Lee is another great friend of mine. Yeah, still. Uh, yeah, he's still, yeah. he's still, he's still hanging in, huh? Man, he's amazing, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you old devils got to stick together a little bit. I guess we've had our tiffs and we've had our, uh, you know, but no, Jerry and I, you know, we it's sort of a recognition of yeah. uh, similar souls. Right. And, yeah. And you played. You were able to play with Muddy. Mm. And you play when Buddy's still around, so you play with him sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Buddy was on the show with us in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, yeah, uh, on Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. Did you play with Wolf? Howling Wolf. Yeah, once um, uh, on that uh, Shindig TV show. Oh yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think well, we didn't actually play with him. No, I, I was there. Uh, and you watched? Yeah, I once woke up in his house. How'd that happen? Well, I don't know. I fell asleep at Muddy's. <laughs> I woke up in Alamore. In Chicago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was some party or something, you know. <laughs> they must have carried me from one on. You know. <laughs> what are we going to do with this white kid? I don't know. We're just taking him with us. <laughs> what the fuck? There must have been a lot of lost weeks, Keith. There must have been a Here few and Here and there. Yeah. <laughs> How do you level up? How do you how do you manage? I mean, I, I you know I don't you, we don't need to get too far into it. You got pretty strung out for a few years. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, deliberately, it was an experiment. Yeah, is that how you view it? <laughs> an experiment I, for a yeah, few years. Yes, yeah, I'm the laboratory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you realize that the experiment was over? It was going on too long. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, I mean, you've been threatened with you know seven years hard time you know that'll so, do it uh, yeah 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 hey, i love my band more than i love the stuff oh good <laughs> yeah yeah so you're able to just to taper off and get into a management system boom i just just kicked it yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, what a relief huh yeah in a way, <laughs> i mean i got sick of dealers and junkies you know because you, that's you end up in that stuff you end up and that's you realize that the only people you're talking to are like 
Oh, they're strung out cats. You know, That's right. Like, You're in a hotel room full of people you don't know. Yeah, who are waiting for the man and all right, that. Right, you know? right. And so it was, yeah, it was time to cut that out. And uh, so do, yeah. cut it. You know what's scary about that is that if you're in a room full of five or six of those dudes or whoever that attracts, if you go down, if you fucking OD, you know what? You're going to be alone in that room. Oh, yeah. And no one's going to yeah. fucking call Don't the cops. Tell no me one's going to. Right? Yeah, man. Oh, shit, he's down. Let's I've go. I've seen the bodies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a scary fucking world. Oh, my God. I read a. I didn't realize you, you put out a new book that I, I downloaded to read on the plane, Gus and Me. Oh, and it, yeah. yeah. I read your children's book. I, I thought it would take a little longer. It took me eight minutes, but yeah. I downloaded it. It took me four minutes to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and to write it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's really a pretty book. I mean, did you ever think in your in your in your life that you would be a children's book writer? No, you think. I mean, the idea came up. I thought, Are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> Who came up with that idea? Uh, uh, the publishers um, of um, of life yeah. of, my, of my own book. They, yeah. They, they, somebody they they'd come up with this idea about there was a chapter in there about my grandfather, uh-huh. and they said this could be a really like nice children's story and I thought if I'm going to write anything and do anything for kids yeah, I can only talk about something I love you know which is my granddad and the guitar yeah, you know so it was in a way it was like taking my hats off to Gus who, who was great to me he threw you a line he was yeah. your lifesaver it's a pretty yeah. it's a cute little book and, and and your daughter illustrated it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was a family affair. Yeah, it was, uh, but the, she did a great job. Those are really she did, pretty. Yeah. It's a pretty little book. I couldn't believe I'm, I'm reading. A, you know, it's, I'm getting choked up reading a Keith Richards children's book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love. I love to sort of throw you the odd. You know. <laughs> yes, I'm listening to your record, and then I'm reading your children's book, and I'm like, what the fuck? All I want to do is drugs. When I'm broadening, I'm broadening my horizons. I'll say, man. Well, you've got some grandkids, right? We've got, got five. Five. Yeah. Do you love hanging out with them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's worth it's worth hanging around to be a granddad. You know. Yeah. Did you ever think you would? I mean, it's uh, it. at certain times, no. You know, but um, here I am, and there's five grandkids, and they're. And it's another thing, you know, it takes you on another level. It's one thing being a father. Yeah. Which is, like, fun enough. <laughs> you, you had a couple shots at that. Yeah. Yeah, two yeah. sets. Yeah, two sets yeah. of that. And, uh, and, uh, and out they come, you know, but they're, they're the great little kids. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What, do they have I a mean, name for you? Yeah. Uh, just grandpa or granddad or what do they call you? Grandpa. Yeah. Uh, him. Him. <laughs> <laughs> and you get along with all your kids? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it's a yeah, it's a very close family in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a tribe. How how were you with your dad growing up? You know, in general. I mean, because I know you loved Gus, but we, your father. Oh, did you guys uh, fight it out for a few years? Or? I don't know. I grew up with just my mum and my dad. Yeah. You know, so I grew up in a very uh, adult area. You mm-hmm. know? So, I mean, sometimes, you know, I sort of wished I had a brother or a sister so I didn't have to listen to about the arguments about the rent and, yeah. the, uh, and the insurance right. and whatever, <laughs> right. you know right. what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's no way out of it. But, um, so you sort of grow up in an adult household whether you like it or not yeah and they treat you like a kid and at the same time you 
you know they have problems and uh but not between themselves but just like day-to-day -day living you know yeah. i mean my dad uh, worked uh, uh, he worked his life for uh, general electric making tubes right so of all of, things of all things yeah and this right? i'll get around to in a minute but um, so I leave home, 17, like the bird leaves the nest. Um, yeah. And within a year, my mum and my dad had split up. I think my, I was the only reason <laughs> to stay around. But um, so I, you know, boom, suddenly I'm making some bread. And I so immediately I sort of take care of mum. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, boom, whatever. For 20 years, no contact whatsoever. Really? Yeah. And... In 82, I think 81 or 82, I sent him, I just sent a note and said, see if you can get this through to my dad, you know, yeah. you know why, why haven't we seen each other for so long? So my dad comes down to my house, you know, I send him, and I'd taken Ronnie Wood with me because I wanted protection. <laughs> so I meet my dad after 20 years, I was scared shitless. Really? So, yeah, in a way, you know, yeah. I mean, I needed uh, some, some kind of support. Sword, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And out comes my dad, you know, 20 years old, a little old bloke, great. And we snapped to straight away, you know. I mean, we just, like, got on. And I had more fun with him for the next 20 years. I showed him the world, you know. I said, get on this plane, come on. And, and he's got Brookshield sitting on his lap. Yeah. And I gave him the, the the whole world he hadn't seen. And, uh, and for the last 20 years of his life, we were like, we played dominoes oh, and yeah. endlessly, you know, with yeah. a load of other guys, you know, and and he was a, he liked his rum. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But he could drink us all under the table. Man. Oh yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. You know, <laughs> that's beautiful, man. And your mom, bless her heart. Yes, always saw her. And uh, the funny thing about my mom, yeah, is that she's uh, she knows she's going. You know, and I went to the hospital, you know, to the clinic. When whatever, was this? Uh, it's 2002, uh -huh. I think. Uh -huh. uh, um, and so I brought a guitar with me, and I was sitting on the end of the bed, bed and, uh, and she said, uh, Keith, uh, this morphine's not bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> You're 93 at last. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now you get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking beautiful. So the new record's great, man. And All right, like, cool, man. Love everything you do. And it, now I guess like to, to finish up, like when you look back, not so much about regrets, but is there anything you're still pissed off about? Is there anything stuck in your craw about the way things went down? Uh. I could have I could have lived without being busted <laughs> and, and without being like you know Pete cops putting things in my pocket <laughs> stuff oh that know. happened yeah oh yeah got set up it, it was terrible in London oh, oh the first big bust yeah no there was a second one uh, you know uh, oh uh, what have we got here oh really but I did have the pleasure of that gentleman. His name was, uh, at the time, was Constable. Uh -huh. And it was Constable Constable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Constable Constable. Yeah, he, he got to be a uh, sergeant or something. 
before he was finally mm -hmm. uh, checked. Nothing to do with me by then, but I just read in a paper that he was getting sentenced to five years. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, you don't like, even know why? Fuck him. Yeah, well, probably for the same thing. Sending you know, people or just corruption or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it was a bent, oh, yeah, bent yeah. station, and uh, yeah. you know, you know, it's uh, one of those things. You know, he, cops ain't perfect, and nor am I. You know. So, so Ronnie's good. Ronnie's good. <laughs> Charlie's good. Yeah. You and Mick are good. Yeah. Everything's man. all right. Yeah. And looking forward to doing some more. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me. It was a real honor. Really fucking uh, real amazing. Pleasure, man. A lot of laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and you fun. smoked your first cigarette in 10 Yeah, years. with Keith Richards. <laughs> Come on. Thanks, man. Pleasure, man. Keith Richards. Man. Sometimes I love my life. I really do. All right, so go to WTFPod.com slash tour for all my upcoming tour dates. You can go to KeithRichards.com to get that uh, beautiful Super Deluxe box set. And now I'll play my stinky guitar. I'll just, it's not a Keith riff, but it's, uh, you know, it's rock. It's what I do. I've probably done it before. Monkey and La Fonda, cat angels everywhere. <laughs> 